1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel. Everybody's listening to my opens these days uh, at 7 p.m. every single weeknight. Also, check out the Five Reasons YouTube channel, Dono Daily, every single day. We just added some new content there today as well. Catch the Defo show in the morning with South Florida Topics. And I've got an announcement I'm going to make here on the podcast about some new things that are coming to the channel. Also, fivereasonsports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. We do not have a paywall for the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk, Hussan Patel, and others. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reason Sports Network. This guy's a huge Miami Heat Miami Dolphins fan. More importantly, though, he can help you get your life straight in terms of an estate plan, which if you have a family, you need. He'll go through all the paperwork with you. It's easy. He did it for me. Make sure your money that you've worked so hard for goes to the right people. Okay. Assign the right guardians, everything along those lines. Mark can help with that. Reach out to him at 954-566-5678, 954-566-5678. It's an easy process. he will give you a discount if you mention five reasons. Also check out Mark Brown. Again, that's with a C, markbrownpa.com. The other thing you can do for you there is he's got a title company. We saw today real estate prices finally starting to level off a little bit. It's a complicated market. You don't want a complicated closing. He can handle the closing for you on either side of the deal he's done that for me as well too 954-566-5678 again it's 954-566-5678 based in north lauderdale but he can handle everything in south florida again mark brown PA.com. and now tonight's episode
2: down to yeah five on the floor Ride for my dogs, where here's the thing, you can check the score, hustle hard, couple scars, random bubble frogs. Just like Buffy said, You in trouble, y'all? Check the floor playing, got a whole y'all seen the block, stop one hand. And pat we trust, it's power have the guts. We here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up.
0: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five
1: Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Today's floor plan: I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. You got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk three hundred five. Uh, no Greg tonight. He'll be back a little bit later in the week. We're going to go a little bit off the grid today because we have obviously been talking transactions, took a couple of days off because really nothing's happening right now. I mean, behind the scenes, there's some stuff, but there's been no movement. Everything is still stalled because of the Durant-Mitchell situations, and it may be stalled for a little while longer. I do want to mention one thing here, though, on the podcast, because those of you who follow the YouTube channel may be aware that some folks have uh, gone to do their own thing. We're going to be doing something new Um Starting this season, we are going to be hosting streams on game. So the same host that you're accustomed to hearing on the five on the floor podcast, you will see on the five on the floor streams on the five reasons YouTube channel. And then those will end up on the podcast feed as well. You will never have a stream on there in a postgame that doesn't have one of the four of us or maybe two of the four of us or maybe three of the four of us between Brady, me, Alex and Greg. But we'll be adding others to the mix and maybe some familiar faces as well we'll be uh back in the fold here so check it out this season after every home game after every road game one of the four of us will be hosting post game on the five reasons youtube channel is an extension of five on the floor and there'll be more announcements coming forward as we sort of push through our uh partnership with fansided that we've been telling you about all right let's get to the topic tonight though bam out of bio he's 25 years old today he put up a celebratory post for himself being a quarter century old seems like a good time to evaluate him again. I am not going to do this. We've talking about this before the show. I am not going to send it to Alex again for the 3 millionth time. Whose fault is it that Bam doesn't get more shot attempts? Is it Bam? Is it Spo? I'm not, we're not doing that again. Sure. No, we're not. What we're going to get into is we're going to evaluate Bam in two ways. Uh, we're going to evaluate Bam now sort of in comparison to his draft class. Uh, maybe make it three ways. We're going to evaluate him in terms of, a very prominent Heat player from the past, who I think you'll be surprised where he was when he was 25 years old. And then in the last part of the episode, we will talk about Barry Jackson's article today for the Miami Herald. You can follow him, of course, at FLA Sports Buzz, where he talked to uh, league people about whether or not you would include Bam for Durant. So we will touch on that topic as well. But I want to start here. We're going to start with a draft class thing, because this is an imperfect stat, Alex, okay? Uh, But I think it tells you something. If you go to probasketballref or basketballreference.com, basketball-reference.com, and you look at the draft class that Bam Adebayo was in, which was 2017. And you look at where he was drafted, which was 14th. And then you look at where he ranks in this particular category, which is win shares, which again is an imperfect statistic, okay? All st- statistics are imperfect in some way. Uh, but this one, you know, th- there are a lot of people have poked holes in this. But Bam Adebayo ranks first in his draft class, in wind shares. Um, again, the metric's not going to mean much to most people, but 35.4, Jason Tatum is 35.1, Donovan Mitchell is 29.0. And just to reflect here a little bit on the drop-off, the next guy, well, I'm sorry, John Collins is 28.1, and I did miss Jared Allen, who's 34.9, okay, who's actually pretty high up there. So let's So let's go through it again. Bam at 35.4, Jason Tatum at 35.1, Jared Allen at 34.9, Donovan Mitchell at 29.0. Most might agree that he, you know, along with Tatum, may be the two best players in here. But again, that's where he stands in this. And then it's a huge drop off to everybody else. Is it fair, Alex, to say that Bam Adebayo was a top five player in his draft class?
2: Is it fair? It, it's, it's a fact. It's a fact. Like, just looking at this list right now in front of me, there's no doubt about it. Like, I think he's definitely uh, kind of peers with those guys, notwithstanding that he's actually really good friends of both Donovan and Tatum, but it, it's just clear that he's one of the most impactful players, and I think, you know, the, the stuff that he's done over the past three seasons as a starter um, has been impressive in, in itself without, you know, just talking about him getting better every year, which, by the way, I, I was also looking through stats before. I'm not going to get into it right now, but he has gotten better every season. And the stats also show that for the most part, right? He has taken steps every season and it's always good when it reflects in the stats as well. And and just in general, like, I think you can make a case for sure that Tatum and Mitchell are above, you know, maybe, maybe not Mitchell. We could get into that or not, but in general, I think he's right there with those guys in terms of impact on the actual floor. I would definitely take him ahead of Jared Allen, Jared Allen and John Collins as far as two way impact. And I think both of those guys are good players. Uh, I think Allen is closer to Bam in terms of level, but not even, I still would have him in two different tiers of, of um, centers. Cause I think Bam is just a lot more versatile. And I think he is such a unique player that he is undoubtedly uh, a top five player in this draft. I would say probably number three. Brady, where would
1: you put him?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. He's number three. Uh, I think it's debatable in other ways, but, uh, just seeing what he's able to do. It's funny when you look at these top three and you look at Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell and Bam and you go through the numbers, let's just say of this season, because first of all, everybody loves to poke holes offensively of Bam in general. We look at a guy that's number one on this redraft of Tatum who averaged 27 this season. The next guy on the list is Mitchell who averaged 26. And if we're saying Bam's three, he just averaged 19. What that tells me is that he's the best defender in this league, like in my opinion, like I think he's, I think we can all agree that he's, one of the top. And I think he probably could be the best just because you have a guy that can redraft into being a top three player and he averages seven points less or six points less than the guys in front of him. Like that's just uh, not a normal thing to do in general, but uh, you have some other guys in this region, this draft of Fox and, and Collins and Allen that he just mentioned, you have OG uh, really interesting draft in general. Like, I don't feel like that's talked about enough, how talented this draft was, uh, but I still would have him three, like just the stuff he's done. I think they've all grown in similar ways, just not the same type of skill set, but they've all uh, been linear in terms of just their improvement year over year. Uh, And as much as you could talk about Bam being in a good situation, he's made the most of the situation he's been in. Like there's a lot of these other talented guys that just haven't developed in the way in their certain situations where Bam has. Bam has taken advantage of the role he's in. He's been a top defender. He's averaging 19 a game. And even though people act like he has no offensive bag, you can't just sleepwalk into 19 and 10 every night in – that type of way. And even in the postseason, you could say that he had down moments in the postseason. but he also had a big game three that led them to being in a good position in the series. And he had a big game seven uh, that put them in a decent position, just need one more punch. So in general, I, I, I'd agree. I don't think it's really arguable. I think he is, I think he has to be three, I guess in this list.
1: Yeah. And I remember draft night and what's what's crazy is I don't even remember as much the heat privately talking about the talent, it was more so talking about his makeup. Um, and, and I think one of the things that has gotten lost here a little bit as we, you know, talk about what he doesn't do. And I know this is an Eric Spolster thing, but obviously the aggressiveness and having the alpha mindset and all of that good stuff. Uh, you know, we've again, discussed that nauseam, but I think the one thing that we don't discuss enough is this guy went from 14th in the draft who is considered raw And I remember on on draft night, again, Riley talking about Sean Kemp uh, and some of those comparisons, and then he looks like Dwight Howard and all the rest of this. But Bam has essentially created a new position in the NBA. I mean, he has. I mean, uh, this guarding one through five from his position. I mean, we talk about Draymond who does it. There are a couple of others. But, uh, uh, you know, to a large degree, you know, doing that from the center position on a consistent basis because Draymond does not play center all the time is different. Uh, and, and so he is different. He is in a lot of ways, one of one, but I, I go back to them talking about his makeup and again, not to throw anybody else under the bus, but there was someone uh, who in, in go, looks into these things for the heat. Let's just say, and he told me they did more research on bam to that point than they had on any other player they'd ever drafted. And that essentially he was the polar opposite of the center they had at the time. And that's what they were going for. And, you know, Bam basically worked his way up to replace a center, that center who was on a max deal and who the heat had invested into that degree. And we can talk about whether or not that player squandered it, but Pat Riley at the time believed he was going to live up to it. And so Bam had to essentially ascend past him, get his own playing time, carve out his own role, play the five as an undersized player when he wasn't playing next to say a Myers Leonard, and become a guy who has been an all-star once, could have been an all-star twice, probably could have been a defensive player of the year. So, again, there are th- places he needs to go, and we're going to talk about this in the second half of the episode. But I want to pivot here to something else, because as we talk about what he's done as comparison to his draft class, I want to bring up another name. And I'm not saying that, that he is at this level yet, because he's not, okay, as sort of an all-around player with the offensive uh, part of it as well. And the game has changed in terms of pace. And this guy played, you know, at a time with much slower pace, and he was asked to do much different things. But, guys, Alonzo Mourning was already older when Pat Riley acquired him than Bam Adebayo is today. Zoe was 25 and roughly, what, seven or eight months when, Zoe, when basically Pat stole him from Charlotte for Glenn Rice uh, as, as the primary piece. And I don't think people think of it in those terms because when Zoe came to Miami, he was still raw in a lot of ways. And I, th- I again, Brady, this is, I'm, I'm not engaging you on this and probably Greg should be here. Okay. But, but I was, like Zo, when he came to Miami, had a lot of things to work on. Yes. He was an in instantly the centerpiece of the franchise. Timmy wasn't here yet. Uh, Jamal Mashburn hadn't been traded for yet. PJ Brown came after it was about Zoe, but what Zoe did not have at that point was really a a post game that looked good. Okay. He was, he was clunky in the post offensively. He played defense a totally different way than Bam does. Obviously he was more of a rim protector and he was dynamic at that, but he also had trouble controlling his temper on the court, kind of the opposite issue that Bam has. Okay. Where he was so alpha the big storyline. And I started covering the heat in 96. Okay. The big storyline with that, with the heat those days was, is Zoe going to get his head on straight so he stops getting the technicals, stops getting out of his game and all that kind of stuff. So again, it's the opposite of what we talk about with Bam, but Zoe had to work through things too. Zoe did not become his fullest form, in my view, until right before the kidney disease, which was the 99-2000 uh, season, where I believe he was second in the NBA, uh, in, the, in the MVP voting behind Carmelo. Malone he had that was a year he had 294 blocks in 80 games um he his scoring averages were up his shooting percentages he shot 55 percent from the floor that year he carried them um i covered that team home and road he he was tremendous he was at that point 29 years old bam is 25 and I, so i just want to put this into context when we talk about no ceiling and everybody looks at bam is like okay well, he hasn't really come through in the playoffs consistently offensively, like everybody's wanted to in the last two years. Like that, like the book is closed on him, Alex. The book is not closed on him. I mean, it's not closed at
2: 25. It's definitely not closed. And like I said before, um, everything that I've been looking at reflects statistically that he has gotten better or, and and taken steps every single season. If, if you want to get into some of it here, shout out dunks and threes. I've been uh, relying on them along with some other sites throughout the the past couple of seasons and. Um, I just realized you can add positional percentiles as kind of like a filter here. So you can compare Bam with a lot of these advanced stats here among people that play the same position. Right? So when you pull that up here, like when it comes to where Bam ranks percentile wise, he is elite like 90 or above percentile wise in multiple categories here that I'm looking at when it comes to uh, estimated plus minus on offense, on defense uh, estimated wins, steals percentage, assist percentage. Uh, Then you go down to um, attempts per 75. So we're talking about his aggression, right? 87th percentile amongst centers. So for all this talk about Bam, you know, not being an offensive uh, big man, despite kind of everything that we talked about, uh, despite him and his uh, attempts and points per game, pretty much going up steadily every season, everything From the advanced stats, points to that as well. And I was just kind of pulling up also a player comparison between Bam and Alonzo here while you were talking. And I was looking at them per 100 possessions. I got to say Bam stacks up pretty well next to Alonzo, who, like you said, at that time was kind of closer to his prime. Uh, And even though he had a a clunky post game, which people will say about Bam, he was looked at as kind of more of the offensive hub. Uh, Am I wrong about that? So you
1: were right. You were right about that. I think the way it's
2: impressive that that his offensive, a lot of the offensive stuff actually uh, matches up with Alonzo there. And then not only that, he, according to per 100 possessions, was ahead of Alonzo in that one in the first season in Miami compared to Bam's last season by almost two rebounds per 100 possessions. So maybe we do (laughs) underrate Bam a little bit and even the stuff that we think that he's not elite at.
1: Just to go back on this a little bit of a history lesson, which I know Greg would love to chime in on this, because Greg, Greg pushes the Hardaway narrative here that that Timmy was actually in a lot of ways, sort of the hub of the offense. I I don't think that was necessarily true. I think Tim was their most dynamic offensive player, uh, particularly during the playoffs. And people remember the 38 points and everything else against the Knicks, the closeout. Uh, and, And Tim was their engine offensively but they played through Zoe. Uh, they did play through Zoe, but it was a different time, okay? You're not going to play through Bam the way you played through ZO. okay? I, I mean, that the, that shot clock, like Pat would grind that thing down to three seconds, okay? The ball would go into Zoe, and then again, there'd be some kind of a post move there. He had some shooting around him. He was not an elite passer like Shaq. Um, he was okay in that regard. He was not an elite passer, uh, but he got it done. In a lot of ways, Jimmy Butler is kind of the... Uh, to me, the descendant of Alonzo Mourning for this franchise in terms of attitude, in terms of uh, it, he, he does he not as animated with the officials, but in terms of demands of teammates, um, Jimmy, maybe even more so, but also in terms of the fact that neither Zoe nor even though Zoe was great as a high school player and at Georgetown, Zoe so and, and Jimmy, neither of them have elite athleticism. Neither of the, they, 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 they basically got the most out of everything that they have. Um, and I look at Jimmy as he's, he's the next one in line in terms of elite heat players that were not so naturally, naturally gifted, as opposed to a Dwayne or, or something along those lines, or obviously a Bron or, or, or some of the others. But, but I, I think to get back to the point on Bam here is that, you're not going to play through Bam that way just because the game has changed. OK, but I, they do play through Bam defensively uh, in the same way that they played through Zo defensively because he may not be manning, you know, again, you know, the paint as a shot blocker, but he's doing everything else and not allowing guys to get into the paint and be effective in that way. I mean, let, let's pivot here real quick, and then I do want to get into Barry's article here a little Before bit. Before you,
2: you get you away know. from the, the Zoe thing, just wanted to point out something else I just found here. What if, what if I told you that that first Alonzo season in Miami and last season of BAM, they had the exact same field goals per 100 possessions taken, both 11.1. So that's actually kind of crazy because, like, even if you think, let's say Alonzo is, you know, the number two mm-hmm. on offense where the harder way when initiating and scoring the most, that's pretty impressive considering what we think of BAM. You know, both have similar usage, but like you said, obviously BAM is passing out a lot more than looking to score. And that is also reflected in the numbers where Alonzo actually has a, a lot higher uh, turnovers per 100 possessions. And This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra
1: hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat.
2: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, Every time.
1: And
0: if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: ba 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 A lot lower assists per 100 yes. possessions, but the shots actually being nearly identical to me is actually surprising. The one thing, obviously, other than uh, blocks, block shots per 100 possessions that, that Alonzo really beats out Bamman offensively is free throw attempts. Mm -hmm. where he's up by about four and a half. And even though we consider Bam pretty good at that, Alonzo hasn't beat considerably there. You're giving me
1: nightmare flashbacks about Zo wiping his brow 16 times while he sort of (laughs) got ready to take a free throw. But that was the Zo thing, was this hard work kind of grind, and then, again, post-move, and then maybe get fouled, get to the line, that kind of thing. He developed a pretty decent little mid-range jumper as he went forward. And Brady, I think, again, that's part of the next evolution for BAM is extending range. Nobody was expecting Zoe to extend range. I, I, I want to ask this question because again, the game was different, but I want to ask this question, Brady, because there was a stat that came out. I saw the posted last uh, couple of days ago about how BAM has averaged the most points per game uh, of anybody who did average the most points per game last year of anybody who did not make a three. And I just go back to his press conference from the previous year where he said he was going to take at least one a game. And I feel like part of the narrative on Bam at 25 is is because everybody is expecting growth in certain areas that may not be the best place for him to necessarily have the growth. Right. And I think sometimes he's fed into that with some of the things that he said because he hears the noise and then seems to want to address it.
0: And I think back to the season before that, where I think it was Jimmy that was uh, he had to pay him every time he attempted a three or something like he was trying to egg him on to shoot those threes. Uh, And that's just a confidence booster. It's kind of an early career type of aggression builder. Uh, But my kind of take on the three point stuff in general has always been usually when guys like him kind of break out to the three point line, it always starts in the corners. Like that's just what it does. And then maybe you'll develop over time and they'll be able to shoot above the break. I just don't think corner shooting from Bam moves the needle in any way in this specific offense. Uh, If the thing that moves the needle a ton is if he starts shooting above the break, like that changes everything for this team, this offense, and for him personally, individually as a player, Uh, because then you have a pick and pop threat. You have a guy that can operate from above the break and then take a guys off the dribble and have more room to operate. Like uh, you have a hub above the break to kind of run handoffs and actually have the defenders play higher because they have to be worried about, uh, him turning and shooting like there's so many elements of that where it says okay if he's able to just make teams respected enough like he doesn't have to shoot it at a high level I don't think like I think if he's just willing to take the occasional above the break three where a defender says okay I have to play just slightly higher up on this screen just to make sure that kind of changes things but uh, the corner stuff like him stretching out to the corner in some ways like I just don't think that changes anything like if he hits the occasional corner three it's whatever but The shooting thing doesn't always have to be threes. I still come back to the thing that I think it's more about mastering the mid-range. Like he has the great mid-range jumper, but just finding ways to get to it, finding ways to get it up. And I know Ethan, I'm not having the the Spoh versus Bam conversation. I might kick it to Alex in a second, but it's just in general, just being able to master the mid-range and just find ways to be operated in there and take it consistently and not have to worry about uh, being a roller time and time again. That's just kind of where I land on. And the last thing I'll say is when Alex was going through some of the numbers and kind of the percentile stuff, it really makes you think. uh, And especially when, Ethan, you were just comparing it to the the Zoe days with Tim Hardaway. Uh, I think we know the build when we're talking about Bam as a player, what he needs around him. Uh, Like there's different builds that certain guys work best with. And I think what we've learned is that Bam needs a scorer around him because we've seen the Kyle Lowry factor. Like we said, okay, they got a playmaker, they can get him involved. Well, what happened? Kyle Lowry was enough of an offensive uh, kind of aggressive point guard that they weren't able to kind of get things out of it because they were just playing lower and forcing Kyle to take those shots in the postseason. It led to empty possessions. Tyler, when he had it rolling against early in that Philly series or the Atlanta series, and they were spamming the pick and roll between the two, that was when Bam looked pretty much unstoppable offensively. That's when he looks very, very good. And that comes back to the transaction stuff where you talk about Mitchell's or KD's or let's just say internal improvements with Tyler Hero. That's what Bam needs when we talk about improvement. We could talk all day about his individual stuff, but building a team around him, that's the player he needs, and that's the player that will unleash him. I don't think it's Bam or Spo. I think it's more about roster construction in general. All
1: right, when we come back, what we're going to get into is the idea of if you have a player like this who is turning 25 years old, who, as we've talked about, has numbers similar to what Alonzo Mourning had at that age, in a lot of different ways, even if he gets to them in a different way. Do you include him in a trade for Kevin Durant? So we'll talk about that in a second. Before we do, I want to tell you about a couple of great sponsors the Five Reasons Sports Network. Therapistpreferred.com. Use code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. You get 25% off for all your premium CBD, the gummies, the sports cream, the tincture. They got new gummies on there as well. Make sure you check it out. Therapistpreferred.com. Use code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN. And Prize Picks use the code five F I V E get your initial deposit matched with our official fantasy sponsor for up to a hundred dollars. You can get Prize Picks on the Google uh, Play Store, on the App Store, or at PrizePicks.com. And yes, if you're listening to this now, probably too late for the Home Run Derby. Well, no, it's not actually. That's oh yes, it is too late for that, but not for the All Star Game. So if you play MLB, you can do that, uh, and also you can get the NFL futures on there. And get on now, get that bonus. Uh, well before NBA season starts. So go to prize picks, use the code five, F-I-V-E, therapistpreferred.com. use the code five R-S-N. One other thing I want to mention about post-game when we start doing that during the season, you're going to have the chance to interact with us. So we will be on there on the streams. Alex has been wanting to do this forever. So I basically just after two years have agreed to it, but basically we're going to uh, we're gonna get to that during the season. So it'll be a little bit like a floor is yours, which we do during the week on the YouTube channel, except obviously we're going to be doing it after every game and we'll be doing it with access because uh, we're still be credentialed with the heat this season. So from the arena at home. All right, let's get to Barry's article today, because we're still waiting on KD and eventually this may come down to a decision about bam. And look, there are lots of reports out there. A lot of people trying to get a name right now about this. Um, I've talked to, you know, obviously people around the league, people around the heat, And it is in a lot of ways, just a a sort of a staring contest at this point, it's a holding pattern. And you know, the one thing we've reported consistently here is the heat are willing to stare until the end. They will, they will stare as long as it takes. Okay. To try to get this thing done. And we talk about Irving, we talk about Mitchell, but Durant is the prize. Pat wants one last score. It's Jimmy's timeline. It's Pat's timeline. And that's what this thing is about right now. And so ultimately You may need to part with this player that we're talking about who has exceeded all expectations, who leads his draft class in win shares, who's a top five player in his draft, who's putting up numbers similar to what Zoe put up at the same age. He may need to be included. So Alex, and obviously if he's included, Ben Simmons needs to go somewhere else. We've discussed that too, because they can't be, because of the contracts they signed, they can't be on the same team at the same time. Alex, let's get to what Barry uh, reported today. And obviously we all trust Barry's reporting. I believe we do. He basically said, uh, "This is we'll get to one source close to Adebayo said he doubts Miami will trade him, but added that he does not told Adebayo if he's off limits at the Durant deal. Adebayo has not sought such uh, such assurances. We also know, obviously, and this is not from Barry, but we just know this, that Durant wants to play with Bam, uh, that they developed a relationship on Team USA, and that that would be one of the reasons that Kevin would want to be here. This comes from the first scout that Barry talked to. If I were the Heat, I would do it. In other words, include Bam. You're getting the better player. Durant is arguably the second or third best player in the league. To win it all, you need two major players. Jimmy Butler, as great as he was, wasn't enough here. got hurt in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. We know the rest of this. Uh, but then this point, Adebayo had to be a lot better in the playoffs than he was. Is Bam going to get that much better? I'm not sure he can raise his offensive game to another level. And then I'll go to the second scout because the rest of this is about Simmons and Lowry, et cetera. If you're the heat, you make that trade. Even if you need to include Simmons, in other words, taken back. If you have to, if you have an opportunity to get a player like Kevin Durant, you do it from my relationship with Pat Riley, I believe the heat would make that trade, including out of bio if given the option. I'm not sure if that would be enough for Brooklyn as good as bam is. I don't think he will be a league MVP and multiple time all-star like Durant bam needs to become a better scorer. Durant is eight age is a hindrance to some, but not to Miami. They've gotten the most set of groups up in eight guys up in age. Durant and Jimmy put you in immediate conversation with championship level teams. Let's do this again. Alex, would you do it?
2: So, Look, I understand where everybody's coming from here. In a vacuum, you're trading Bam Adebayo for Kevin Durant, and everybody's just kind of, I, I feel, on Heat Twitter, people are, like, uh, set up to pounce on each other in the sense of, like, wow, it, 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 you know, if you don't want to trade Bam for Kevin Durant, uh, let's say, it's almost like, how could you not want to do that, right? And that's where I'm, you know, th- that's where I'm... I-, I fall apart from that line of thinking, because it's like... <laughs> Bam Adebayo, like you said, is somebody who KD would absolutely want to come here and play for. We don't know that KD would still actually want to play here if Bam Adebayo is not on the roster. That's one thing. The second thing, we know how impactful Bam is to a long playoff run. We've seen two of them already out of three seasons with him as a starting center, where they're either the second-place team or the third-place team, right? Just to get down to facts, right? Two out of the three seasons with Bam as a starter and the second-best player on the team, they've gone really far. So it's a really tough thing to let go of a guy who just turned 25. And by the way, uh, I want to shout out Giancarlo Navas, who pointed this out to me when we were talking earlier, how many guys of his caliber actually go out in trades for superstars in past years? Cause that's, that's one where I'm not sure, right? Like maybe DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi, even then it, it was a different situation. I think that the DeRozan thing was kind of over. Um, it wasn't like kind of still in, in the beginning of the of the arc where bam is only 25 years old it's a it's a maybe that's the most comparable one but even then Kawhi was on a one-year deal KD's on a four-year deal right so maybe that's what you say if you think you know maybe that's why you do have to trade bam and look if it comes down to it if it really came down to it and you had a deal set up right because the nets have to want to also trade simmons if they want to take bam so if you have a deal set up where simmons going somewhere else the other team is good with it the nets are good with it and you're sending Bam, I would try to hold on to Tyler, would try to hold on to some of those picks. It wouldn't be the same exact deal, just with Bam added onto it. I think you got to kind of adjust, right, and get some of those things back where it's like, if you're trading this young player, I want to keep my other young player, and I want to keep a couple of those picks, right, where you're not sending out four or five, six picks, however many they're trying, they're looking to send out to the net. So there's a lot of factors into this. Like in a vacuum, yes, you trade Bam for the better player, but I think the ultimate thing is this is all a negotiation. As of right now, it doesn't seem like they need to throw Bam Adebayo on the table, and they won't do it until, like, they feel like they have to, right? I think that's what, kind of what it seems like from the outside. I obviously, I'm not the one with the information here, but it just seems like Bam Adebayo is the last place in the negotiation you get to, and even then, you take away other things from it. As of right now, it doesn't seem like he's on the table at all, and I'm, I'm right there with them.
1: I, I think that's a good point. I, I think when you look at it, um, I think every team, if they're going to end up wanting Durant, is going to have to hold out one guy. Right. And I feel like that's kind of I think with the heat, it's bam. Obviously, with Toronto, it seems to be Scotty Barnes um, with Phoenix. I'm not sure at this point because
2: the A- well, they extended Booker, so they can't.
1: Right. So, I, you know, I, and there aren't but we keep coming back to this. I just don't think there are that many teams that can even engage. I, I just don't. And I think that Toronto was excuse me. Brooklyn is finding the market to be weaker than it expected it to be.
2: Unless Ingram or Jalen Brown gets thrown onto the table, right? Like one of those wild cards. But, that you- but
1: that's but that's what I'm talking about. So you look at a Boston, you look at a New Orleans. Okay, I don't even you know. I've talked about Memphis. I keep having people telling me Memphis is a dark horse here, and I, but I'm trying to figure out who that player would be for them. It's Triple J, I guess, maybe. Um, you know, if you're just going to try to pair a Morant with him. But I do think that all of these teams are going to hold one player out. And the Nets are going to sit on it for a while. I did not like I, I went on vacation this week to a certain degree. Like I'm still working a little bit, but I went to New York. I did not anticipate Durant was going to get traded this week. Nobody in New York is talking about Durant getting traded this week. I, I think there's a, again, a consensus that this thing is going to drag out into August most likely. Kyrie Irving was traded from, if you remember, there's been trades in August. Kyrie Irving, that was a major trade for Isaiah Thomas and that group, Jay Crowder, et cetera, uh, with Cleveland and Boston a few years ago. I think it could be the same thing again, or even Durant could be held into camp. But I'll go to you on this, Brady. If it comes down to it, I mean, that's really the issue. Like, you're sitting here and, you know, the Nets are about to make a trade. They've got picks. they got pick swaps. They've got all these other options. But ultimately, they go to Toronto and they say, we want Scotty Barnes. They go to New Orleans and we say, we want Brandon Ingram. We go, they go to Miami, they say they want Bam Nabayo. If you're Pat, do you blink?
0: I think at that point, I'm with Alex, that I think if it comes down to it and it's the final straw, I think you kind of have to, but the thing is, and I totally agree with Alex is that I think at that point you could pull stuff back. And as much as they say that the bam thing still won't be enough. Like there was one quote in there that you threw out there from that scout from his article. It said something about, he'll never be the KD type MVP. Uh, Like they'll never get to that point. Like KD is an all time type player and there's no trade that's ever went down where you never get equal value in that way anyway. Like when you're talking about a player of Kevin Durant, there's no way to get equal value. There's not enough value on any team in this league basically to be able to give it up. Uh, So that's just kind of weird in general, but I think at that point you kind of have to, the thing I keep coming back to, and I know uh, you talk about, okay, you get Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, and you kind of just go from there. I really do think that the defense would kind of fall off the map in a lot of ways. I know the heat's defense has always been good. And it wasn't just bam that made this defense good. But it's just there's a there's not enough fillers there for me to say that the defense won't win. There, I know the counter argument to that is saying, well, he didn't have problems with defense. They, their issue this past season was scoring, and they'll get that, and they'll have a chance to uh, kind of match these other teams. But just like their offense fell off, I think their defense could fall off in this way. That let's just say you find a way, let you start a deadman or a Yurtzman. If I don't know how you keep him in that way, but you do it's just, it's hard to see that you lose PJ Tucker and Bam in that front court. And there's a way that you're even serviceable at the level that you were. Uh, And to kind of loophole this all, this whole Bam conversation together, I know the Bam conversation always starts and ends with, with offense, but looking back over this playoff run, which I know a lot of people don't want to do with the way it ended, but he dominated individually games defensively. Like he really did. He dominated Atlanta, uh, even though PJ Tucker deserves a ton of credit for what he did on Trey Young and other guys, Bam dominated that series. He held Joel Embiid to an incredible number when he returned. Uh, he had his moments again in the Boston series, but obviously the, the scoring couldn't be upheld. That stuff is valuable. Uh, and I think that's why you are t- you asked the question of would he blink. I think he would blink because I think it's just so valuable in that way that they recognize that. And it still comes back to the obvious point that everybody makes is that I really don't believe that KD would want to come if Bam Adebayo was the one to be included in the trade. I don't see a reason. I know... It's Miami. He probably have a fun time outside of basketball. He still gets to play with Jimmy Butler inside of basketball, Uh, but he just did the super, the co-superstar thing. Like he just did that. He just went to Brooklyn and it did not work out whatsoever. I know Jimmy Butler is not Kyrie Irving uh, and he'll actually be on the basketball court. Probably a complete opposite because Jimmy Butler is going to make sure to be on the basketball court, but he did just do this co-star thing where it's hard to say that he would be willing to do that at that point. You return to Brooklyn, run kind of let time run, and then maybe you can figure something out from there at the deadline or after that. I just don't see a reason they would get to that point. Uh, and I I just understand if, if Miami's kind of be this kind of holding out because every other team, like you said, is holding out. Uh, the Suns are not – their guys, Mikael Bridges that they're trying to like boost his value right now. Like he's on the level of Bam and Scotty Barnes. So that's not even in the question right now. But it's these other guys that it makes sense. You're going to hold out of Scotty and Bam until the last second. And if it comes down to it, then it's decision-making time, and I don't think you could fault either team for doing it. I guess because it is Kevin Durant.
1: I think that's the key point is that I think ultimately Kevin Durant will have some say at the end of this. I, I just think he will. Superstar is a superstar league, and he may not have as much leverage as you know he would have otherwise if the contract was different and all that. But if he doesn't want to go somewhere that they want to send him, and he's going to be difficult about it. We know that teams don't like that. You want your, If you're going to bring in a player of that caliber, you want him to be excited about coming there. And so I do think ultimately that he will have some say, and I don't think that Miami necessarily is going to be a place he's going to want to come at the last minute if Bam is not here. And so that really is the thing. Do I think Pat Riley would do it? Yes, I absolutely do. I just think it's where he is uh, right now, where the franchise is. I think if it comes down to it, the way that will be justified is a obviously Durant is elite among elite. This is essentially the LeBron replacement. Okay. And the chain that was broken in 2014, but also he did give bam the opportunity to kind of step up in these playoffs. He kind of did the call out the year before and it didn't happen. And so even though I, I think we all believe that it still could happen as some of the things we've talked about on this podcast I think that that's the rationale there. It's the, And it is the rationale that one of the scouts said, which was, is Bam going to get there soon enough? And it, it all becomes about the Jimmy timeline. Pat has won championships with players in their 30s. The big three was kind of an anomaly that they came together at 25, 20, I think it was 25, 26, and 28. I, I think in this case, it's a little bit more like the Lakers situation where he won with Jabbar late and, and some of the others. I think he would. I think he would absolutely do it. But I'm with you. I don't think he's necessarily going to have to. All right. Thanks to our sponsors, therapistpreferred.com. Use the code 5RSN. Prize picks, use the code 5FIVE. MarkBrownPA.com. Get your estate plan, get your uh, title taken care of, all that good stuff. You're closing. Have a good night, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.